What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. We're in. We're in. Hold on. Go put my ears back on. Now we're in. Now we're in. Welcome back to Mystery Team Inc. Hooray. If you're here, you're probably here for JFK Part 2. It's too late for justice, but it's never too late for the truth. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, A bit of housekeeping beforehand. Um, I have a couple of notes. There are sort of some corrections and some tidbits. Um, The first thing is... I already told Kayla this. I was like, I don't want to alarm you, but we recorded part one completely by accident on Kennedy's birthday. (laughs) So that's terrifying. Because synchronicities are um, horrifying. Um, Also, by the time that that episode premiered, I was already wrong about only needing 150 listens to hit 10,000 because by the time that episode aired, we were at like 10,200. So that's rad. Um, thanks for finding your friends and making them listen thanks to our podcast. Thanks for even having friends, because some of us have a really hard time. A couple of corrections that I, I just look, was listening to myself, and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Which happens every time we record, but I usually forget about it, but because this is such a historical... Last episode was such a historical episode, I felt the need to, like, cut anyone off at the pass who was wondering what the fuck I was talking about. Um, I cannot wait to hear what these are. Well, so the first one is I was talking about the first televised presidential debate, and just at some point during that um, segment, I was like, the first ever presidential debate. Oh. I obviously meant televised, but I just was like, I hope no one thinks I think that that was the first one You think that was the first one. Um, another note is that <laughs> nothing existed before TV. <laughs> I was describing Castro's government and I incorrectly stated that Castro was elected. He was not elected despite the fact that Cuba was a democracy at the time, but he was appointed. Yes. Um, at some point I, s- <laughs> I was trying to say the most dangerous day in history. And I think I said dangerant. <laughs> I was listening to it and I was like, what? And I like rewound it and it was me going like, we get to my favorite part, the most dangerous day in history. <laughs> and I was like, dangerous. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? Uh, the word we were looking for when soccer players pretend to fall <gasps> down is flop. Really? Yeah. It's called flopping. Oh, I'm going to call it, um, no, Never mind. Okay. <laughs> I started that joke before I had a, a punchline. Got I, that out. I have a note, which is that uh, today the Trump administration uh, just banned travel to Cuba. What? They just banned travel to Cuba to put pressure on Cuba to stop supporting the Venezuelan president. So I was describing an incident that happened in the Pacific when John F. Kennedy was in the Navy, where their boat got cleft in twain by a Japanese destroyer. Is that the official term we're using? No, they used um, stove in two. So I'm saying cleft in twain. How do we get to cleft in twain? I was trying to be... um, What's that word for when you're good with words? (laughs) (laughs) 
eloquent. Kill me. <laughs> so I don't have to do a podcast. Um, yeah. So uh, eloquent. It, his boat was cleft in twain <laughs> by a Japanese destroyer. Um, and I eloquently described it. And then I told the story about how one of his crew members, I later found out he was, the crew member was badly burned. That's why he was injured. Um, JFK towed him to shore to a desert island. And then I said something about, like, sent off a coconut to okay, get you saved. Said, you said they put a letter, mm-hmm. a message, mm-hmm. in a coconut, and then someone else got it? Okay, so I'm going to tell the whole story now. Yeah, because, woo boy, did Kayla have follow-up questions. But the best part is that I found an article that was, like, the story of Kennedy and the coconut, and it starts with Kennedy in the Oval Office, which is something that happened after that happened. And I'm going to just... T- read the article to you because I like the way it tells the story. Great. During his presidency, John F. Kennedy decorated his desk with a number of items that carried personal meaning. These included model sailing ships and ornamented whale tooth and various naval memorabilia. However, the most unusual and perhaps most significant item was a paperweight made out of an old battered coconut shell. Stop it. He has it? He has it. Fuck. And there's a picture I can show you. I would love to see it. We'll post it on the Instagram. A faint handwritten inscription on the shell stated, Naro ISL commander, native nose posit, he can pilot, 11 alive, need small boat, Kennedy. Oh my God. So, um, not only did he tow that guy like three miles to an island, it was uninhabited. So he was like, I guess we're going to have to swim to that other island over there. And then they swam to another fucking island. After being... It was a two-island <laughs> expedition, it was. Um, Kennedy persuaded his crew to swim to another island a couple of miles away that hopefully had some vegetation. The men reached the island after several hours of exhausting swimming. Swim- <laughs> <laughs> dangerous. Um, dangerous. After several hours of exhausting swimming, their ordeal was worsened by the constant fear of Japanese patrol ships. They also feared military outposts that could have been hidden on the island. When they arrived, they discovered that the island, which was then known as Plum Pudding Island, and today is known as Kennedy Island, was <gasps> also upgrade in Ames. Was also uninhabited. Who called it Plum Pudding Island then? Mm-hmm. For the following six days, the crew survived only on coconuts. Oh my god. What are they? People who live in LA now? <laughs> <laughs> Juice cleanse, baby. What what? On the seventh day, they rested. Just kidding. On the seventh day, <laughs> well done. they encountered two men in a canoe. The men were natives from a nearby island, and fortunately for Kennedy and his men, they worked with the Coast Watchers, which is a secret network of agents that informed the allies of the positions of Japanese military outposts. They agreed to help the stranded men, so Kennedy etched a message on a coconut shell, and the two islanders brought it to the Allied forces stationed at Tulagi Island. The two islanders managed to safely avoid a network of Japanese scouts and patrol ships in the waters around the Solomon Islands, and the message found its way to the Allies. After the crew of the ill-fated PT-109 were transported back to safety, Kennedy's bravery and tactical thinking earned him the Navy and Marine Corps medal and a purple heart. And a coconut. Kennedy remained in contact with the two (gasps) islanders, whose names were Aroni Kumana and Byuku Gasa for the rest of his life. No! Until the tragedy of his assassination in November of 1963, he was constantly reminded of his luck in the Pacific by that coconut shell on his desk in the Oval Office. My heart. 
Isn't that incredible? I like that he was still friends with them. Yeah, hello. Oh, that's so much better than I thought. And there's a picture here for your reference. It's really cool. You're going to like it. Oh, that's amazing. He had it made into a paperweight. That's so cool. Yeah, kind of amazing. I'm so I'm glad that you pressed me to figure out what the fuck the 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 real story behind that was because I was like that's all I got that was worth it I'm really glad that you were like what the fuck the mm-hmm. thank God I ask a lot of extraneous follow up <laughs> questions <laughs> all right so that was a little pr- prelude I guess yeah a prologue are you ready I don't even know anymore yeah that's fair <laughs> um okay. So, should we tell them what happened? Oh, yeah. I almost forgot. Mm -hmm. Me too. So, I'm going to start this off by telling the story of what happened last week. Yeah. So, last week when we were recording, our original plan was to just go straight through and do both halves Mm -hmm. at once in one night. Uh, So, we recorded Maggie's half. And then we took a break. We took a break, as we do. And then we came back. And we started recording my half, and at about 28 minutes, um, Maggie's computer, which we record on, just froze. It completely froze. And which almost never happens. It, like, yeah. it has stopped recording before, mm-hmm. but it's never frozen to the point that I had to restart it. I've never seen your computer freeze. And so you're like, okay, I guess let's, like, take another break and see if it, like, gets its shit together. And it didn't. Yeah. And then we turned it back on and we looked to see where it like stopped recording and um, the software that we record on auto saves. And so I was like, it's maybe some of it will, you know, like we maybe just missed the last 10 minutes or whatever, but it, it completely erased Kayla's entire half, which is strictly about conspiracies. Mm -hmm. And another creepy thing that happened is that we were recording on our phones. We were recording video of us recording and... I went to go send Maggie my coverage of the footage yesterday, and it's gone. Just mysteriously and it's totally, disappeared. Like, it's not in my recently deleted. It's, yeah. it's gone. And we know that it recorded it because, because we, we watched, watched it, it. back. Mm-hmm. And I'm uncomfortable, and I'm scared that they're going to hack my car and, like, <laughs> drive it into the L.A. River, which That's I, very Karen Silkwood. Yeah, it's also very... There was an episode of Doctor Who about that. Scary. Scary. So, yeah, so, to the NSA agents that are fucking with us, leave us alone. Stay in your lane. I mean, or just, like, do something else, because it's kind of a pain in the ass to have to, like, re-record the first half hour. <laughs> delete other things. Delete the numbers of guys I'm not supposed to be texting. Yeah, like, right. Don't delete our recording. Use your powers for good. Anyway, so. Kayla's going to tell us what the fuck happened to JFK, I guess. I'm going to tell you the truth, is what I'm going to tell you. <laughs> The capital T, truth, TM. So, before I get into the actual conspiracy theories, I'm going to talk a little bit about um, the aftermath of the assassination, uh, the public response, and also, like, what it is about what happened that spawned so many conspiracy theories. So, first we're going to start with why the public doesn't fucking trust the Warren report. Mm -hmm. The first is that right after the assassination, a lot of publications came out, like books and articles that uh, were pretty popular that all basically did 
the same thing. What they did was they rejected the Warren Commission, and then they were like, here's what actually happened. None of them say the same thing, Mm. but they all across the board are basically like, the Warren Commission is bullshit, here's why, and it's... A lot of them have the same reasons to mistrust the Warren Commission. Um, One of their main reasons to mistrust the commission is that, and I agree with this, they all basically argued that the commission was not interested in finding the truth. They were interested in proving that Lee Harvey Oswald did it. Um, Which makes it look suspicious. Which is already suspicious. Um, The least suspicious reason for that would be that, you know, they, they wanted to be done with it, and that seemed to be the most settling thing that the public could hear at the mm-hmm. time. The most suspicious is that they fucking did it. Right. Um, and there was a man named Nicholas Katzenbach who was the one who told LBJ to make the Warren Commission in the first place, and there's me- a memo that says, quote, the public must be satisfied that Oswald was the assassin, that he does not have Confederates still at large. So basically they were like, um, we need to convince everybody that it was like a lone assassin who was unconnected with any power group and had no political motive. Um, and he had committed a hopelessly irrational act and then died at the hands of someone equally irrational. It's pretty obvious that that's what they set out to do. So the question is why? Who Um, uh, the next thing that happened is in 1967, Jim Garrison, who's the district attorney... Uh, <laughs> what do you mean? Swimming in ink? Dangerous. <laughs> he was the most dangerous attorney. <laughs> uh, he was the district attorney of New Orleans. Came out publicly and was like, Lee Harvey Oswald didn't do it. He didn't fire a single shot, and I know who did. Uh-oh. And then... Wah, wah, wah. He accused anti-communist, anti-Castro extremists in the CIA of plotting the president's death to thwart um, an easing of tension with the Soviet Union and Cuba and to prevent a retreat from Vietnam. Okay. In 1969, nice, (laughs) (laughs) he prosecuted uh, Clay Shaw, a New Orleans businessman, as a conspirator in the assassination. It's the only trial that was ever brought about the assassination. It lasted for 34 days, was widely considered to be a circus, and the jury acquitted that guy after less than an hour. Right. Um, I found his obituary. Oh, no. That was published in the New York Times in 1992. And it says, quote, Several students of the Kennedy assassination said that even though Mr. Garrison's investigation might have been seriously flawed, he served as a positive force in focusing attention on the inadequacies of the Warren Commission and impressing for the release of many still confidential documents. Hmm. So the trial was dumb, but like it fueled the fire. Right. Uh, Okay. So in 1975, the Zapruder film was shown for the first time on network television. Um, it had never, it had only been seen by investigators and the jury for the Clay Shaw case. Mm-hmm. But then the jury came out and like, they were kind of like, we watched this film and we were kind of confused as to why nobody else has ever seen it. And yeah. then everyone was like, hmm. <laughs> right. Um, the reason nobody had ever seen it was because on the morning of November 23rd, 
uh, Life magazine purchased the film for $150,000, which I think we figured out last time is like a, a $1 million. It's over a million dollars. Over yeah, million it's like dollars. 1.1 or something. Do you uh, want to, just briefly, we talked about it in the last episode, but just remind everyone what the Zapruder film is, yeah. in case anyone doesn't know. So the Zapruder film is a home video taken by a man named Abraham Zapruder, who was standing on a concrete pedestal along Elm Street in Dealey Plaza. And he filmed from the time the presidential limousine turned onto Elm Street for a total of 26.6 seconds, and he caught the gunshots. Yeah. Um, and it became the... Uh, like, landmark piece of evidence. Mm-hmm. Like, basically the only thing the Warren Commission based their arguments on. Right. Which <clears throat> is, we'll get there. Okay. Um, so, in the 60s, the photos of, like, stills of the film were published in Life magazine... Um, but then on March 6, 1975, on Geraldo Rivera's show, Good Night America. Of course. Um, assassination, assassination researchers, Robert Grodin and Dick Gregory presented the film and they like literally just like played it on TV, like, and everybody just watched Kennedy get shot in the head. And then the whole world was like, what the fuck? fucking fuck yeah um you know what's interesting is i never thought about that like that there's a pruder film wasn't aired until so many years after the assassination but like you know when we were listening to like the symphony mm-hmm. and they like they got information over the wire that the president had been shot it was like he just went from being like on tv he just went from being like on tv in people's homes every day to like he was just gone mm-hmm. and no one there was no like footage of it there was no video there was no mm-hmm. was there video of him like in the hospital i don't think there yeah. was yeah so he just like suddenly disappeared off the earth mm-hmm. to everyone that's so like interesting it's so, it's so weird yeah um so the last thing that really fucked people up was there was this kind of like undercurrent of mistrust of the government at this point yeah um and then something called the church committee happened That started because in January 1970, a man named Christopher Pyle came forward and he was like, hey, I was in the army in the 60s working as a captain of intelligence and we had like 1,500 plainclothes agents watching every public demonstration of 20 or more people and it was part of a broad-based program of domestic spying. (laughs) (laughs) Hooray! Surprise! Um, Then... In 1974, the New York Times published a lengthy article detailing operations engaged in by the CIA that had been dubbed the, quote, Family Jewels. And the Family Jewels was a covert action program involving assassination attempts on foreign leaders and covert attempts to subvert foreign governments. And everyone was like, (laughs) And then Watergate. Right. Obviously. So then when Nixon left office... Water what? (laughs) Listen, it was this thing where, like, Hillary had a pizza (laughs) pedophile ring. Um, So once Nixon left office... But his emails. But his fucking emails. But his tape recorders is Mm -hmm. one of those. Yeah. But his tapes. (laughs) 
so a reform Congress took over after Nixon left, and they were like, hey, also, y'all can't do this anymore, and we're investigating you. And they formed the Church Committee, and it was chaired by Idaho Senator Frank Church. Mm-hmm. Um, and they investigated... I go to Frank Church every Sunday. <laughs> How's that working out for you? How's the congregation? May I be Frank? <laughs> yes. Terrible. <laughs> I will not be joining you at Frank Church. <laughs> uh, so they investigated abuses by the CIA, the NSA, the FBI, and the IRS. Their final report was published in April 1976 in six books, and here's what they uncovered. Um, secret, arguably illegal wiretapping, bugging, and harassment of American citizens, including Supreme Court justices, reporters, and government officials, all in the name of collecting intelligence about threats to national security. Heavy, heavy air quotes. Um, The most notorious case was the wiretapping of Martin Luther King Jr. by the NSA and the FBI under fucking Hoover. Mm -hmm. So they released their report and everybody was like, that is it. We're fucking done. (laughs) The House of Representatives voted 280 to 65 to establish the House Select Committee on Assassinations in order to reinvestigate the assassinations of John F. Kennedy and Martin Luther King Jr. The House Select Committee on Assassinations concluded that originally they were like, okay, you know what? The Warren Commission fucked up and nobody did a good job, but it was three shots and it was Lee Harvey Oswald. And then... In the 11th hour, they received what is called a dictabout recording, which did, I think you talked about. I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so they received this recording and they Actually, were like... I didn't talk about it. We t- I talked about it with you when uh, we recorded your half originally. Okay. So I can pull up my explain info it? about it. Yes. Okay. Well, you go ahead and then I'll just fill in the gaps. So they received a dictabout recording from the day. They decided that that recording proved that there were four shots fired, not three. And if four shots were fired and not three, then the amount of time that the shots were fired in necessitates that Lee Harvey Oswald was not the only shooter. Right. So please explain what a dictabout recording is. Um, well, I don't have any, I don't actually have info about what the dictabout, reco- like what a dictabout recording is. I just have that info that, um, because there are claims that it's been, that that audio evidence has been discredited. Yeah. Um, because Officer H.B. McLean, from whose motorcycle radio the HSCA House Select Committee on Assassinations acoustic experts said that the Dictabelt evidence came, has repeatedly stated that he was not yet in Dealey Plaza at the time of the assassination, and he asked the committee, if it was my radio on my motorcycle, why did it not record the revving up at high speed plus my siren when we immediately took off for Parkland Hospital? Yeah. There's also been people who, like, have listened to it and been like, that's an echo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Sure. But, so, the ha- but they basically, like... But that still like, happened. It like, still they happened. still got a recording that yeah. threw a wrench into everything. And they still fucking came out and were like, it was four shots mm-hmm. and it was um, a conspiracy. Yeah. We don't know what the conspiracy is. And then they were like, it's not the CIA and it's not the FBI and it's not anti-Castro people... But it was a conspiracy, and it's like, well, then who the fuck was it, mm-hmm. you know? Illuminati. <laughs> I'll get there. Um, so, 
They also were basically like, they also said that the CIA and the FBI and the Secret Service all fucked up beyond belief. Sure. Like, the CIA hid a lot of information from the Warren Commission. The FBI hid probably most information from the Warren Commission. And then they were like, and the Secret Service did a bad job protecting him. Right. And it's like, well, yeah, he's dead. Yeah. That's fair. So, I'm going to fast forward to the year 1991. The most important year... (laughs) Because in Malibu, California, Maggie Mae Stabile was born. Were you born in yeah. Malibu proper? I was born at Cedar sinai over there on the west side. Great. Um, yeah, the most important year. The most dangerous year. <laughs> <laughs> the most dangerous year in history. <laughs> the year Maggie Mae Stabile was born. And also the year... The year that Nevermind came out. Is that what you're going to say? That's what made it dangerous. <laughs> um, no. Oliver Stone released a political thriller called JFK. Yay. Um, it examines the events leading up to the assassination and the alleged cover-up, and it is through the eyes of our best friend, Jim Garrison. Yay. New Orleans District, District Attorney. Dun-dun. <laughs> so... <laughs> The movie was basically like um, LBJ arranged for it to happen, and this is true. <laughs> and America like, was like based on the events of a true story. <laughs> they released this movie, and everybody was like, "What the fuck is going on?" Yeah. And then they so that is the main reason that we got the. President John F. Kennedy Assassination Records Collection Act of 1992. I love that act. It's a great act. It's the reason that we found that um, that document that said that JFK knew about aliens. Listen, we're getting there. Yay! Um, so this the act formed what is called the Assassination Records Review Board, which was in charge of deciding whether we got to see the records. It's just, there's like so many bureaucratic steps involved yeah. that it makes me want to roll my this eyes. This is why but... Kennedy never went to work when he was a member of Congress. Yeah, because you had to pass an act to create a board to decide if you, like, yeah. just somebody say yes or no. Yeah. Um, so they, as we know, decreed that all existing assassination-related documents were to be made public in 2000, by October 2017. Sure. Did it happen? No. Did it happen? Oh, my God. That's so crazy. Remember? The American government reneged on a promise. <laughs> the documents have been released. It's most of them. Most of them. It's so much to go through that it's, like, really hard to find anything. Most experts are like, you know, it's there are no crazy revelations. There are, like... Little things that you see that kind of make you go, oh, huh, that kind of connects to this. But, you know, they're so heavily redacted that it's still pretty much useless. Um, Some of them are, like, asinine. Like, I don't know why they even are included. For example, one was a complaint from one part of the federal government to another part about the slowness with which office keys were being issued. (laughs) And then they were like, here's all of our secrets. And, like, right. like made it rain paper. And right. it's like, hey, Kelly, can we get our fucking keys? Yeah. <laughs> That's so, incredible. Inter-office memos. Inter-office memos about nonsense. Yeah. Um, okay, so now I'm going to walk you through. I'm some... just imagining, like, JFK log day 469. 
the lights in this room still buzz, despite the fact that I have phoned down to the front desk and asked for maintenance <laughs> to come check on them several times. <laughs> like Maintenance said they would be here within the day, and, you know, they haven't come in yet. <laughs> Starting to get a headache, but the set medic won't talk to me. Wait. <laughs> I don't know why my when brain said set that? medic. <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't think you of the word more. for doctor. <laughs> That's, that was eloquent of you. Thank you. It was a flop. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now that we know why everybody distrusted the Warren Commission for like political reasons, let's look at the actual real problems with it. Okay, that's what I'm excited for. Ready? Yes. So numerous researchers have pointed out what they characterize as Inconsistencies, oversights, exclusions of evidence, errors, changing stories, changes made to witness testimony, and they're like, that means it's a Mm -hmm. cover-up. What do I always say? A cover-up is... A cover-up is... A (laughs) (laughs) cover-up. So, there is a man named James Henry Fetzer who is a professor of... The Philosophy of Science at University of Minnesota Duluth. He is very into conspiracy theories. He has pointed out what he determines to be 16 smoking guns that prove the official narrative is impossible. I have a problem with that because you can only have one smoking gun, first of all. Right. That's the whole point. The whole point, So, right. James Henry Fetzer, you get one. <laughs> um, but there... I'm not going to go, I can't, like, there's not enough time to go into all of these, but there are, there's, like, a lot of evidence of witness intimidation, mysterious witness deaths, some of which were, like, oh, it was a suicide, and it's, like, oh, really? Was it? Um, They ignored a lot of testimony. Um, They confiscated uh, a lot of film and photographs from people who, like, came forward, and they were, like, hey, I can be helpful, and they were, like, give me that. Yeah. Um, They withheld a lot of documents. There are, some people think that they tampered with the Zapruder film mm-hmm. before it was, like, shown. Um, people think that Kennedy's body was tampered with. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but the main thing, the main problem that you run into with the Warren Commission, if you're a conspiracy theorist, is the problem of the gunshots. Mm-hmm. Um, so, to review, they concluded that JFK was hit by two bullets. Mm -hmm. First entered at the back of his neck and exited in the lower portion of his throat, which then went into Connolly. John John Connolly, yeah. John, Sean Connery. (laughs) (laughs) And then the second shot was fatal, and it struck him in the back of his head. Mm -hmm. Um, The other shot supposedly, like, ricocheted off the curb. Yes, we'll get to the other shot. Okay. Um, So... They are also like, well, Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. He was on the sixth floor at the book depository. He fired off three shots. Uh, Connolly, his wounds, it was, it entered the right side of his back, went down through his chest, breaking one of his ribs. It exited his chest, went through his right wrist, breaking his um, radius, Mm -hmm. and then entered his right thigh. Mm -hmm. Um, The report then says, quote, Although it's not necessary to any findings of the commission to determine which shot hit Governor Connolly, there's very persuasive evidence from the experts to indicate that the same bullet that pierced the president's throat also caused Governor Connolly's wounds. 
which is the widely known single bullet theory. Mm-hmm. Um, they're wrong. Okay. It is necessary yeah. to figure out if it was the same fucking right. bullet. Because without the single bullet theory, their conclusion that he acted alone just, like, doesn't stand. Okay. At all. So, the Zapruder film and all of every reconstruction prove that, seem, I'm going to say seem to prove, because I don't know who to believe anymore, Um, but they seem to prove that Kennedy and Connolly were wounded within 1.6 seconds of each other. Mm Mm-hmm. It takes 2.3 seconds to reload and fire that rifle. Mm -hmm. Which means that it was impossible for the rifle to have been fired twice in those 1.6 seconds Mm -hmm. in which Kennedy and Connolly were both wounded. Mm -hmm. Which means that either one one bullet hit both of them or someone else fired one of those shots. Mm -hmm. Um, Very quickly, I have to mention two other home videos because they're going to come into play. There's one that was made by a postal worker named Art Bell, who was standing on the opposite side of Dealey Plaza from Zapruder. And then there's one by Orville Nix, who was standing near Art Bell, and his movie catches the, so- the, the fatal shot. Mm-hmm. So we have the fatal shot from two directions, and then Art Bell was not doing a good job. Okay. <laughs> okay, so I Wow, what a fucking day to just not be on your game. That sucks. Yeah. There are also, there are a couple other home videos that I can't remember if I include them because I wrote these 22 pages a couple weeks ago, but if they come into play, I'll tell you about them. I have a quick question about the gun because I didn't do any research about it. So it's like a single, like, chamber, or you like, what's to, the capacity? It's you shoot, can load, like, two. reload, shoot, reload, shoot, reload. Right, but how many, so it can only contain one bullet in the chamber mm-hmm. at any given time? Mm-hmm. That's dumb. No, I know. Why wouldn't you use literally any other yeah. gun that you don't have to reload? But right. it's de- I don't remember what it's called, and I don't know anything about guns, and I don't like talking about guns, but um, I know that it is a shoot, reload, shoot, reload, shoot, okay. reload. Um, okay, so I'm going to walk you through. This is a section that I like to call, let's look at the gunshots, except that. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to take you through the questions we have about the gunshots and then some quote-unquote answers we have for those. Okay. I feel like I'm about to go on It's a Small World, but mm-hmm. but instead of, like, tiny children of various fake, diverse ethnicities, mm-hmm. it's it's just, like, It's a, just me and my crazy eyes it, and it, talking about <laughs> a bullet trajectory. You no, know, yeah, it's just, like, a JFK-themed mm-hmm. yeah. water ride. This is how I have felt this whole time. Yeah. Like, I'm on just, like, Splash Mountain, Where but just it's like, only the drop, and it's all JFK. <laughs> and it's just, instead of It's a Small World's playing, you just hear, like, Kennedy, Kennedy, Oh, my God, what a fucking nightmare. And it's, like, little robotic recreations of the assassination. And just, like, over and over shooting. has that fake, like, sound every time he fires the rifle. And then Jackie, like, crawling on the back and then getting back into her. And there's, like, a fake, you know, in, like, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean where there's, like, fake bullets Mm -hmm. hitting the water and there's, like, like, water splashes. splashes. Fuck, dude, we should make an assassination theme park. Well, it should be a conspiracy theory theme park. I'm so assassination. You know where we should build it? Santa Clarita? No, I was going to say in, like, the deserts of New Mexico. <laughs> oh, that's a perfect place. You I can know. do it by, like, yeah. yeah. And then maybe they'll get some fucking tourism because, oh boy, did Roswell not lean into that enough. No, right. So disappointing. Um, what's Dulce? 
We should build it by Dulce. Oh, Dulce? Oh, yeah. And then Dulce can be like a mummy-type roller coaster. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Love that. Great. I'll secure the funding. Okay. Thanks. Okay. So this section, I headed it. All caps. So let's take a look at these gunshots, shall we? <laughs> this is the point where you were texting me in all caps. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to work backwards. Okay. So we're going to start with the th- fatal shot, the third shot. Okay. So a lot of conspiracy theorists looked at the Zapruder film and they were like, that shot came from uh, in front of him. Okay. Because in the film... His head appears to go back into the left after mm-hmm. he's shot. And you can see that there's like a explosion of blood from his, the front of his head, mm-hmm. but you don't see anything from the back of his head. Mm-hmm. And I guess those people were like, well, that means he was shot from the front. Okay. Um, no. But yeah, go on. I mean, no, but yeah. <laughs> no, but okay, uh, go on. This has led to the grassy knoll theory. Right. Uh, which is that the third shot fired in Dealey Plaza that killed JFK was not fired from the book depository, but rather from the grassy knoll across from the plaza. Plaza. What do you say? Plaza. Plaza. <laughs> okay, plaza. Plaza. So, uh, in the... <laughs> that shot did not come from this plaza. <laughs> Listen, it sounds fine. So, um, in the Art Bell film and the Orville Nix film, you can see right after the shot, there are a bunch of people rushing the grassy knoll. Is that because they were trying to get away or because they heard a gunshot coming from that direction and they were like, get him! Um, (laughs) I don't feel like the instinct would be to run toward the gunman. Tell that to the conspiracy theorists. Okay. I'm telling you, which I thought was enough. (laughs) No, I'm not. You speak for them. You're like the Lorax. Okay, here's the deal, though. I am the Lorax. I speak for the conspiracy theorists. I feel like I need to... I need to make this disclaimer, which is that I don't necessarily believe anything I'm saying. Sure. I'm just presenting to you the two sides, and you can draw your own conclusions. I haven't drawn my own conclusions because (laughs) I don't know what's real anymore. (coughs) Fair. So I'm just going to tell you what the theorists say and what the Warren Commission says, <laughs> and I'm not responsible for any of it. It's just what they say. Mystery Team Inc. is intended solely for entertainment purposes. <laughs> I am not a historian, nor do I know what I believe. This is not medical advice. <laughs> um, so of the 121 Dealey Plaza witnesses <laughs> whose mm-hmm. statements appear in the commission's published evidence... 51 said gunshots came from the right front, which okay. is where the grassy knoll is. Okay. Um, former Kennedy aide Kenneth O'Donnell, who rode in the motorcade, said he heard two shots from the grassy knoll. He did not tell that to the Warren Commission, but later conceded, quote, I testified the way they wanted me to. Hmm. Except that... <laughs> While those two films show people rushing the knoll, if you look... Also, rushing the knoll is something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it's something. I think it's like a an 1800s novel, like a novella. It's like... It's like... It's like... Maybe it's like The Wind in the Willows or something. <laughs> rushing the knoll. <laughs> it's the sequel. Yeah. Um, but if you look at those two films, there's... 
some people will be like, well, there's a guy up in that corner over there. But it's the 60s. Right. And, like, film is not clear enough to sure. determine whether or not that's a person. Right. But they it seems pretty clear on the knoll before the shooting. So, also... Experts say that the spray of blood from Kennedy's head is indicating an exit wound. That like was, it exploded out. That's which is what I exactly. would, yeah. yeah. Um, in one of the many documentaries I watched, a ballistics expert named Larry <laughs> um, examined the... What's his last name? <laughs> Sturdivan. <laughs> oh my God, I used to take that stuff, but it gave me diarrhea, so I stopped. <laughs> Sturdivant made me feel like a fucking zombie. (laughs) It totally zapped my creative instincts. I just love that you just were like, this guy named Larry. (laughs) Like, you're presenting him as a ballistics expert. Like, he's supposed to be knowledgeable, but you were just, like, called him Larry. That was the whole point. Yeah. Uh, So he examined the possible trajectory from the grassy knoll. Now I know that you really, like, don't know what you believe anymore because you're like, so it's pretty clear in the footage, but a guy named Larry says. (laughs) No, Larry's on this side of the information. Don't worry. Um, he says that any bullet shot from behind the fence on the grassy knoll would have exited Kennedy's head on the left side and either hit Jackie or the car, and neither of those things happened. I don't know if we can trust what Larry is saying. Wasn't Jackie to Kennedy's right? No, she was on his left. Oh. Yeah. Okay, I get it. Yes. Here's the problem. I don't know what to believe because everything that I've watched or read has a clear agenda. Like, it's either to prove that this conspiracy is right or to prove that the conspiracy is wrong or to prove that the Warren Commission was... And it's just like, I don't trust any of you motherfuckers because I don't know who's telling you to do this. It's Big Pharma. It's gotta be Big Pharma, (laughs) right? It's Johnson & Johnson. Yeah. Killed my aunt, killed my belief in humanity. Yeah. So... That's the, the fatal shot. The main player is the magic bullet. Okay. <laughs> I can feel myself going inside. I know. I'm watching it happen before my very eyes. So. Kennedy, 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 <laughs> no. Kennedy, Kennedy, no. Kennedy, Kennedy, Kennedy. Help. <laughs> okay. So, the main player is the second shot, the magic bullet. In the Zapruder film, the impact of that shot is actually blocked by a road sign. Um, and then when the car emerges from behind the road sign, as you said, Kennedy is like holding his hands to his neck. Um, and then the film shows Connolly being injured very soon after. Uh, 1.6 seconds 1.6 fucking motherfucking seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so... As I said, it's impossible for him to have reloaded and fired the rifle in the amount of time between them being shot. Um, so either one bullet hit both men or there were two shooters. So let's look into it. First, we're going to look at Governor Connolly, who in his... Did it in the library with the revolver. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. That's very also. <laughs> And thank you. Goodbye. We should do a live episode of Clue. Yeah, that's great. It's a great mystery solving. Of where we just like play Clue. I'm working on it. Okay. I'm, I'm so <laughs> Let's workshop that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he, in his official testimony, Governor Connolly said, quote, 
Unquestionably, when the first shot was fired, I recognized it as a shot. Uh, I thought of nothing else, but it was a rifle shot. I turned to my right. I had time to think. I had time to react. And I turned to my right back over my wife's shoulder to see if I could see anything unusual and to see the president because I immediately thought of an assassination. I didn't see anything except the general blur of people waving. I did not see the president out of the corner of my eye. And I was in the process of turning back over my left shoulder. And about when I was looking straight forward, again, I felt the impact of the bullet that hit me. I am convinced beyond a question of a doubt that the first shot that was fired did not hit me. Then I was hit. Uh, Connolly's wife testified that when he was hit, he, quote, reared up like a wounded animal before she even heard the shot. Um, the commission's response to this is that uh, Connolly simply suffered a delayed reaction to his gunshot wound. Okay, but how does that answer why she didn't even hear it? It fucking doesn't. Okay, right. <laughs> this is where you're gonna, I, it, your brain right. is going to start to melt. Because also something that we learned in the last episode is that John Connolly was a hunter. And mm-hmm. so he had like a very, I would say, like dependable, like a reliable. I would trust his fucking testimony. Yeah. So the doctors that performed surgery on the president and tried to save his life said in the press conference after he was pronounced dead that the wound on his throat was definitely an entrance wound. Oh. However... When they testified before the Warren Commission, they said that the throat wound was an exit wound. Okay. So what happened? (laughs) Yeah. The FBI slash Secret Service came to talk to them, showed them the autopsy report that was done at Bethesda Naval Hospital in Maryland, which is the second, like, so they operated on him in Dallas. He was pronounced dead. The body was immediately taken to Maryland. So the FBI was like, here's our autopsy report. Um... It stated that the throat wound was an exit wound. Um, When the body was brought to have the autopsy performed, the neck wound had been cut into to make a tracheostomy. So that means that the people who saw, who did the autopsy never even saw the bullet wound. Mm -hmm. Um, The autopsy says that the back wound was, quote, presumably of entry and that the throat wound was, quote, presumably of exit. And that's where the Warren Commission based their whole conclusion. And the FBI was like, this is our autopsy report. You got anything to say about it? Right. And the doctors were like, uh, nope. I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but like, where were the bullets? You're getting ahead of yourself. Uh, Don't fucking worry. I know it's going to be a whole thing. Don't worry. Okay. So, um... A lot of the evidence of conspiracy about the president's wounds comes from a man named Dr. Charles Crenshaw, to whom the official Warren report makes several references. Um, And then two doctors named Charles Baxter and Robert McClellan told the Warren Commission that Dr. Crenshaw, they, they were like, he was in the emergency room. He was there. So they were like, he was in the emergency room. He's all over the Warren Commission, the Warren report. He then released a book asserting that there was a conspiracy to cover up the fact that the president was shot from the front, not the back. Okay. He, like, released a whole fucking book about it. Except that... In 1992, two pathologists who performed the autopsy and four of five of the doctors who attended to the president in Dallas came forward to affirm their findings. Okay, got it. Yeah. They were like, the pathologists were like, yeah, we were like confused by the neck wound, 
because they cut through it. Right. And then um, the Dallas doctors criticized Dr. Crenshaw, saying that he did not participate in the effort in any meaningful way, and that none of them even recalled seeing him there. I can't believe that four out of five dentists agree that JFK was killed by the CIA. I know. (laughs) Yeah, so they were like, "Um, he wasn't even there. She doesn't even go here. (laughs) But the war, like, I think... You know, like, he's in the fucking war. So, it's... Right. (laughs) (laughs) It's neither here nor there. It's neither here. None of... None of this is anywhere. (laughs) Okay. So, let's take a look at the autopsy report. We never talked about the third shot. We're not there yet. This is still the single bullet. There's Maggie. <laughs> I literally haven't even talked to you about the magic bullet yet. This is like the preceding yeah. shit to the magic bullet. So good because we're at one hour in. Are we really? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. It's okay. A lot of it can be cut out. Okay. Okay. So the <clears throat> autopsy report. The death certificate says that the president was shot at the third thoracic vertebra, and that is confirmed by the body chart done during the autopsy. That coincides with the hole made by the bullet in Kennedy's jacket. Mm -hmm. However, in the sketch presented in testimony to the Warren Commission, the bullet wound is six inches higher where the neck meets the shoulder. So what happened? Mm -hmm. In his testimony before the Warren Commission, the doctor who wrote the autopsy report said that (laughs) right when he had finished writing the report, he saw on TV that Oswald had been killed. He then publicly stated, I burned my first one and wrote a new one. We will talk about why. What? Conspiracy theorists think. Oh, ancient yeah, ancient JFK astronauts think <laughs> that because everybody knew that if the bullet entered Kennedy's back lower down, it doesn't make sense that the bullet would then exit above the entrance wound through his neck, and then go back down into Connolly. But once Oswald was dead and they didn't have to take any of this evidence to trial, it didn't matter. Right. So there's literally an official document talking about burning the original report that was certified and approved by Kennedy's physician. Okay. Except that <laughs> this doctor says that he burned the original set of notes because they were stained with Kennedy's blood and he wanted to prevent them from ever becoming a ghoulish collector's item, so he burned them in his fireplace, quote, after I had copied verbatim in my own handwriting the entire contents. Okay. Right? This is where you start going, yeah. Right. And? Right. He also says, we documented our findings in spades. (laughs) Okay. Um... Yeah, and that doctor's really mad. He's, like, really mad about it. All the doctors are like, we fucking said what we said. Right. And it's like, but also, did you? Right. So, now let's move on to the literal magic bullet. Okay. There was a bullet found on a stretcher in Parkland Hospital in Dallas. This was Exhibit 399. The ballistics matched the rifle found in the book depository, and there were four... C-399 is the only piece of evidence that directly ties Lee Harvey Oswald to the shooting. Great. Um, it couldn't be the bullet that missed, which is the one you're concerned that with. hit the curb. 
Um, and it's not the one that fragmented in the president's head. Right. So the commission had to then prove that the bullet was the one that inflicted all of the non-fatal wounds. Mm -hmm. There are two problems with this. The trajectory, the conspiracy theorists have a big problem with the trajectory, and the actual exhibit, the bullet. Mm Mm-hmm. So basically, conspiracy theorists say that if Connolly was sitting directly in front of Kennedy, it doesn't make sense that the bullet could enter Kennedy's back at a downward angle, exit his throat, and then go into Connolly's back higher than it entered Kennedy's back. Sure, right. Except that in the car they were riding in, Connolly's seat was higher into the left of Kennedy. Higher? Yeah. It was like the the seats... Then it would make less sense. The seats were at... No, no, no. Because if he's higher, they're saying it can't have gone... Okay, I'll be Kennedy. (laughs) You be John Connolly. So, it can't have gone from, like, here down to... Oh, no, Kennedy... That's what I'm saying. Kennedy had to be higher. Does it make sense that Connolly would be higher? Kennedy was higher. That's That's what what I'm saying. Sorry. My brain is mush. No, you're good. Kennedy was higher. Connolly was... And to the left. Kennedy was higher and to the left. Right. That's what it is. Um, so... A bunch of, like, recreations have used the exact same model car with the same seat The 1961 Lincoln Convertible? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) With the same seat stuff happening. Mm -hmm. And I watched a documentary, which I don't know if I trust because I don't know what their fucking motives were. Sure. But they did this really interesting thing where instead of just, like, trying to fire a bullet in the direction, they had a guy standing in the window and they put a laser on his gun. Right. So they, like, showed that it literally takes the trajectory right. posited by the Warren Commission. And that's... A, we're not talking about the trajectory anymore. We're done. Okay. I'm not wasting anybody's time on okay. that because you're all fucking stupid. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> the bullet itself was examined by a man named Robert Fraser, who was the ballistics examiner at the FBI lab. He testified that the bullet was almost in perfect condition, except for being, like, a little flattened on one side of its butt. Okay. (laughs) I don't know what that part of a bullet is called, because I don't want to learn about guns. Right. Um, He says that if the bullet had struck coarse cloth or leather, he would have expected to find microscopic, like, striations on it. And Mm. there are no... There's nothing. Okay. That's... On the nose. An issue, yeah. It's an issue. Um, Across the board... All of the commission's medical experts agreed that C-399 couldn't have been the bullet that caused all the wounds. And the Warren Commission was like, shut up. Sure. Um, It was planted. We don't fucking know. Okay. Um, In April 1964, the the commission convened a panel of ballistic experts to perform tests to see if it was possible for the bullet to cause so much damage and still remain in near-perfect condition. They've... (laughs) They fired into the chests of, like, dead goats. Yeah. And also into the wrists of human cadavers. Ew. So gross. Um, the bullets that were fired into the goats that broke a rib showed d- deformity. Mm-hmm. The bullets that went through the wrists showed significant deformity. And in this one of the documentaries I watched, they, like, put them all up together. And it's insane. You can insane. tell. The right. nose of the bullets that shattered the uh, wrist bone is just, like, smushed in completely. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote, and yet the near perfect C three nine nine went through a rib and a wrist and was almost perfect. Four question marks, all right. caps, nah. Yeah, right. Um, they interviewed the man who was in charge of the experiment, and they, this documentary is from like the nineties. Uh, 
And he was like, I am 100% sure that exhibit C399 is not the bullet that went through Kennedy and And Connolly. Connolly, Yeah. Also, the bullet that struck both of them left fragments in them, and there's no... Nothing missing on 399. Yeah. Um, More grains of metal were recovered in Connolly's wrists alone than could have possibly... The bullet lost 1% of its full weight. They like, wait, that's what the fucking quote-unquote scientists in the commission found. And it's just not fucking possible. Except that... (laughs) Nothing. That's just... The Warren Commission had nothing to say about it. They were just like, we don't want to talk about that. Sure. That's not pertinent. It doesn't matter. Sure. That's literally it. They were just like, nope. Doesn't matter. You said what? Sorry, bye. I don't buy that. I don't buy it. Yeah, that part bothers me a lot. So basically, the Warren Commission was like, everybody can suck her fucking dicks. This is the bullet that caused all Mm -hmm. the wounds. There was a single bullet... It was a lone gunman. And everyone was like, uh, okay. Right. So, now let's talk about the shot that missed. Okay. If the Warren Commission is correct and one shot hit both men and the second hot shot hit Jess Kennedy, then where the fuck did the first shot go? Right. Into James Tague's cheek, partially. Let's see. Let's talk about it. Okay. Um, this shot affects the timeline of the events. If the Zapruder film captured the whole event, so if the first shot was fired after the Zapruder film started, and then the Zapruder film ended, and it was all three, uh, that would mean that all three shots would have had to have been fired in 6.3 seconds. Not possible. Right. Um, Many conspiracy theorists believe that the Zapruder film was tampered with um, and that sections of it were just cut out to make it seem like it was a shorter period of time. Okay. Um, When Jackie climbs onto the trunk in the Zapruder film, she only goes about halfway before retreating. But in the other two films, she goes like past where where it says, um, what does it say on the back of the car? I don't remember. There's like some cursive on the back of the car. In the other angles, she goes like, Way past, past it. it, and in the <clears throat> Zapruder film, she doesn't even get near it. That also makes sense because John Connolly says that he heard the first shot and then had time to like think and mm-hmm. react and have a whole yeah. moment before the second one. And I again don't know what I believe, but I have spent so much time watching all of these films, mm-hmm. and she really doesn't go f- that far back. Yeah. Um. There's also a cut in the Zapruder film between the motorcycles coming around the corner and then the limo coming around the corner. Like that just doesn't match mm-hmm. up. Um. So, there were also three bullet casings found in the hiding spot. Two were right next to each other, directly underneath the window, and one was just, like, off. Mm -hmm. Away. (laughs) Yeah. Why? Except that. Except that. (laughs) So, the laser documentary. Okay. You know? Yes, The one that used the laser to recreate the shooting. Um, the guy was like, uh, he stopped filming because film was expensive and he wanted to wait till the president was in view. So take that as you well. You okay. Know. Um, he talks to two witnesses who were 100% sure that all three shots came from the book depository. They both also say the shots were like, bam, bam, bam. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they go and, like, recreate it with bullets. And when they have the guy, he, like, stands up and shoots and then reloads. 
and then goes down to his knee and shoots twice, and the <laughs> bullets fucking land in exactly the same spot. Mm-hmm. It's really bizarre. That's creepy. Um, they compared a another poorly taken home video that was shot from the fourth floor of the book depository, looking down at the car, and they and then they also took the video footage of the original recreation done by the Secret Service, and both of those videos show that the car passes under a traffic light. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched an entire documentary specifically only about that one fucking traffic light once. Fuck this it fucking like traffic light. It was an hour-long documentary just about that traffic light. Let's crack the second beer. Let's crack this beer. So, wait, was it? It wasn't the laser one, though, was it? I don't remember, but it was definitely, like, on the History Channel, and it was definitely, like, an ancient aliens conspiracy theory. Oh, they... Documentary. Okay. I think this might have been the same documentary. You know what I mean? Like, it was, like, Mm -hmm. a History Channel documentary that wasn't really about history. It was, like... Yeah. Did they recreate it? Is it possible? Yeah. I think we watched the same Probably. But I watched it, like, years ago. Oh, I don't remember it. I just remember that fucking traffic light. Well, Larry is in that one. Oh, Larry. Larry. So, in the home video that the woman took from the fourth floor. She stops recording right after the car passes the traffic light. She also says, and did, she stopped recording right after she heard the first shot. Okay. (sighs) I know. (laughs) I know. I know. So, in both videos, you can see a hole in the traffic light as the car passes under the, like, arm mm-hmm. um so the crew of this documentary think that the first shot the shot that missed hit the traffic yes. the actual light ricocheted hit the curb and then hit james Tate. yes if they are correct that means that it was 6.3 seconds between shot one and two and 4.9 seconds between shots two and three which means that the whole thing actually happened in 11 seconds and not the six seconds that the Zapruder film suggests, which means that Oswald could have pulled it off. Okay, right. Now, we do not know if this documentary is correct. We don't know what their fucking motive was. Except that. (laughs) (laughs) It's the only answer I've found for the first shot problem where... That makes sense. that, That allows for Lee Harvey Oswald to have done... Mm-hmm. All three. Right. If these people aren't right, if the single bullet theory isn't right, mm-hmm. then that means that Lee Harvey Oswald didn't act alone. Okay. If Lee Harvey Oswald didn't act alone, who helped him? So, overall, conspiracy theorists have accused 42 groups. 82 assassins and 214 people by name of being involved in the assassination. Is that name Larry? (laughs) My conclusion, I I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but like... (laughs) It was Larry. My conclusion is that it was Larry. (laughs) Um, So, we're just going to dive in. Okay. As always, I'm going to go from black text, white background, major network, exploratory documentary level conspiracy theories... And I will work my way down to the 
depths of the internet to the yellow text red background one hour youtube video with graphics and poor quality voiceover conspiracies so most of the conspiracy thoughts surrounding the assassination is basically some combination of the venn diagram crossovers (laughs) of the mafia the cia the fbi and anti-castro people Mm -hmm. Most of the theories are, like, some combo of those groups. So, let's start with the mafia. Mm -hmm. So, Joseph Kennedy, Mm -hmm. JFK's father, got into bootlegging during Prohibition. And while he was bootlegging, he accidentally got into mob territory in Chicago. Sure. Um... So, multiple members of the Chicago mob put contracts out for his murder. Okay. Um, one of the main mafia bosses, or mafia players in Chicago named Sam Giancarlo, mm-hmm. somehow got those contracts canceled. Nice. Which meant that Joe now owed Giancarlo Sam a huge favor. Mm-hmm. So, when JFK started running for president, Joe was like, if you guys get my son elected, the White House is yours. Okay. And they did. Illinois is the state that flipped the election for Kennedy. Chicago is the city that flipped Illinois. And the workers' unions are what flipped Chicago. And the mafia ran the workers' unions. Um, prior to Kennedy's election, starting in, I think, the 50s or maybe the 40s, or probably before, the mafia was in bed with the CIA and the FBI, like, heavily. Um, They were set up together on their date by a former FBI agent named Robert Mayhew. Um, And basically, J. Edgar Hoover and all the intelligence agencies were like, what organized crime? Right. Like, there isn't any organized crime. You guys are freaking out over nothing. Right. And then they just ran the world together. So when Kennedy was elected and Robert Kennedy was made his attorney general and he, they were were like, oh, we're fine. Joe said that we have the White House. It doesn't matter. And then Robert Kennedy was like, "Mm -hmm. I'm going to crack down on organized crime. Um, So as you said, they were, uh, Jimmy Hoffa was like, oh, they had a literal blood feud. Yeah. Blood feud. Um, They take Robert Kennedy made FBI agents tail Giancarlo like like just ruined his life um there was a man named Carlos Marcello who was the mafia don of New Orleans whose territory was also in in it was the South Dallas all of and New Orleans he was picked up by Robert Kennedy's guys put on a plane to Guatemala City and then put on a bus to the jungles of San Salvador and then left there to die. And nice. then he almost died, but then he escaped and then he was like... Via coconut? Fuck that guy. Right. <laughs> yes, he escaped via coconut. Um, also, a lot of the mafia had uh, a lot of stake in Cuba because they had um, casinos there. Mm. So... They were like, can we fucking get rid of Castro? Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was a man named Santos Traficante. Mm-hmm. 
Well, they would also make sense of why they'd want to get rid of Kennedy, because Kennedy was the one that, like, enacted all the embargoes and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so Santos Traficante lost millions of dollars when Kennedy shut down his Cuban casinos and with the embargo. And he was like, also, you're fucking with all of my friends. Like, Sam is unhappy. Jimmy Hoffa has a, quote, blood feud with you. Mm-hmm. Like, stop fucking with my friends. Right. You dropped Carlos in the jungle. <laughs> um, he once confessed, quote. Who? This guy? Uh, Santos. Yeah. He once confessed, uh, Bobby, Bobby Kennedy made life miserable for me and my friends. I think Carlos Marcelo screwed up in getting rid of JFK. Maybe it should have been Bobby. Oh. Mm-hmm. Also, isn't Santo Traficante the name of that accident lawyer you see on the buses in LA? <laughs> Where it's like, call 888 accident. Yeah. <laughs> if you've been in a danger and accident, call Santo Traficante. Um, okay, so also, Jack Ruby, who killed Lee Harvey Oswald, was deeply tied to the mafia. That's correct. The Warren Commission was like, we didn't find anything tying him to the mob at all. There's nothing. Not that gun that he pulled out of his fucking <laughs> giant zoot suit blazer. His, like <laughs> His outfit alone. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and then the house... The man shot a dude point blank in front of the cops. That's the most mafia thing I've ever heard in my Absolutely. entire life. Um, and the cops were like, God damn it, they Jack. They were like, Jack. Were like, <laughs> and we'll get into yeah, that, that. too. Um, the House Select Committee on Assassinations was like, hey, Warren Commission, I know you, quote, didn't find anything on his links to the mob, but, like, what if we checked his phone records? Right. And they did. And they found 52 calls in the month leading up to the assassination to members of the mob all over the country. Of course. And they were like, oh. Yeah, right. Uh, okay. So that's a little bit on the mafia. Let's talk, look at the uh, CIA and the FBI. So they were, as I said, in bed with the mafia. Um, the agreement was basically that like they got to do whatever they wanted, and then they and the CIA and the FBI worked together to kill heads of state of other countries to like further all of their interests. Right. Kind of like how it is now. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So at least two efforts to kill Castro were made with um, CIA-supplied lethal pills and organized crime muscle in 1961 uh the cia's mob contacts included a man named john rossellini john rossoli who was a top lieutenant to chicago mob boss sam Giancana, uh who basically someone approached them and was like we'll give you one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to kill castro and they didn't say they oh, were from... like a million dollars back then. Exactly. And they they weren't like, we're from the CIA. But they both came forward later and were like, it was the CIA. Yeah. And then they go, we'll do it for free. <laughs> <laughs> That's classic. So then, after Bay of Pigs, as you said, JFK like took all the power away from the CIA. He fired Alan Dulles, who yeah. was the director, took all covert military actions away from them, and then put them under control of Joint Chiefs of Staff. Right. And then was like, don't even fucking touch Cuba. He just stripped everyone of their, like, all the CIA, Everything. everyone of their power. Yeah. Alan Dulles was on the Warren Commission. That motherfucker. Mm-hmm. And the Warren Commission was like, the CIA had nothing to do with it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Um, also, there is evidence 
Intense is not the word I would use, but like, <laughs> <laughs> I think this episode should be called Evidence. This is not, not the, the word, word I would use. use. That's absolutely what it's going to be called. Um, but there are reasons to maybe believe if you've been reading about this shit for two weeks that Lee Harvey Oswald worked for the CIA. Okay. First, his trip to Russia is a little questionable. He, like, defected and then came back and they didn't give him that hard of a time about it? Mm -hmm. Was it because he was there on a CIA mission to stop the Paris peace talks? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if Lee Harvey... Um, three uh, court marshals for shooting himself in the foot. Oswald would have been their first pick. I don't know if he's like first draft pick on that one. He seems like more of a bench player. He seems like a pity recruit. Yeah. Um, His mom, though, often publicly was like, "Mm, my son was recruited by the CIA and sent to Russia. Yeah, my mom says a lot of shit about me to her friends, too, and it's never true. Maggie used to ride horses really well when she was little. (laughs) Yeah, my parents are like, my parents don't do that. Yeah. They underscore what I do. It's fine. The point is that parents (laughs) say a lot of fucking things about their kids. Have you seen Honey Boo Boo? It's like, (laughs) it doesn't mean it's true. Okay, that is... Also, he probably said that to her. He was probably like, I can't talk about it, but it's for the CIA. Really, it was because okay. he... Yeah, sorry. Okay. I mean, it's... That's the, like, the fir- the least convincing piece of evidence. Right. In 1978, a man named James Wilcott, who was the former CIA paymaster and accountant, testified before the House Select Committee on Assassinations that Lee Harvey Oswald was a known agent of the CIA. Okay. Um, A man whose name is... Gaetan Fonzie? Danger Ops John Carlo. <laughs> Danger Ops Who was um, an investigator for the HSCA, wrote that they were pressured to not look into the relationship between Lee Harvey Oswald and the CIA. I will say that I found it weird in my research, and it was written like so nonchalantly, but I was like, wait a tick. Is that, remember that the FBI visited... Lee Harvey Oswald's house like three weeks like for three weeks leading up to the assassination Mm -hmm. and then he went to the FBI looking for an FBI agent by name requesting to meet with with Agent Hostie Mm -hmm. and left that threatening note that was like I'll blow up the CIA or I'll blow up the FBI or it said I'll report it to the proper authorities if you don't leave me alone and then that Hostie burned that note at the instruction of his superiors as soon as Oswald was named as a suspect yep yeah that's weird Thank you for saying that because I was going to have to cover it and you did it. Yay. Um, Although that also could just be the FBI dropping the ball on what, a man who was about to kill a president. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. They could have been like, burn that note because we don't want anyone to know that we knew this guy was a threat yeah. and then we let him just do... There's a lot of stuff about Lee Harvey Oswald that uh, the CIA and the FBI either didn't tell the Warren Commission or told the Warren Commission and the Warren Commission was like, stop. Yeah. Um... Uh, There was a three-page letter from CIA Director John McCone to Secret Service Chief James Rowley in which McCone acknowledges Oswald worked for the CIA and was in Russia for that purpose and not as a defector. Um, It discussed how this information should be withheld from the Warren Commission. 
Um, Alan Dulles's advice to other members of the commission was that CIA operatives consider it their patriotic duty to lie under oath if necessary to protect, quote, company secrets. Oh. And Alan Dulles knows because he was the fucking director. Right. So, this takes us to a woman named Judith Very Baker. <laughs> That's a really good name. It's great. She's great. She's a little kooky, but mm-hmm. I love her. So, Judith claims that in 1963, while she was living in New Orleans, she had an affair with Lee Harvey Oswald, whom she met because they were both part of a plot centered in New Orleans to produce a bioweapon for the purpose of killing Castro. This totally tracks. They got... also explains why he kept trying to get down to fucking Cuba all the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um... She says they both got cover jobs at the Riley Coffee Company while they were carrying on an affair and trying to produce a cocktail to administer to Castro. The cocktail would include both a virus designed to knock out Castro's immune system and cancer cells that would infect him and cause his death, which seems unnecessarily long term. Sure. Uh, Judith says that Oswald's trip to Mexico City, which you mentioned was for the purpose of delivering the cocktail to an agent who would see to it that it got into Cuba and was administered to Castro. Right. He made it to Mexico City. Unfortunately, the agent never arrived to claim the cocktail, and then the plotters decided they would just, like, kill Kennedy instead. What? Um, (laughs) This is what Judith says. But wait, but why is that a good substitute for killing Castro? Did you question that when you were reading about yeah, it? Yeah, it's because it's like they either they needed to get rid of one of them. Okay. Because the relationship between the two was fucking everything up. If they got rid of Castro, it would be fine. If they got rid of Kennedy, then they got LBJ. Right. And I will explain to you why that's We'll get to that. Ugh, I just had a weird deja vu because you said that last time. What? I think last time we started to record this, I was like, why did they want to kill Castro? We went, we didn't get this far, but like at the beginning, I was like, why did they want to kill Castro? And you were like, because if they killed Kennedy, blah, 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 LBJ. They got LBJ. It all, that, yeah. This kind of theory comes down to LBJ. I'm confused, though, about why... Oswald would be into the idea of killing Castro when he was supposedly a Marxist and a communist. Because that was a front. Oh, right. He just... But then why when he was, like, 15 was he, like, writing in his diary that he was a Marxist? Because we all do dumb shit when we're 15 and then we get recruited by the CIA and we go to Russia and then we go to New Orleans and then we fuck Judith Baker and then we make a cocktail for Castro and then they're like, never mind, we're gonna kill Kennedy. That's how puberty works. Oh, yeah, we do do that. You're right. (laughs) Okay, great. I don't know why that's confusing for you. Okay. My Um, mom didn't explain it to me. I mean, it's fine. She just gave me a book called A A Brief History of of Man and (laughs) left it at that. (laughs) So I never got the whole... Um, So Judith says that Oswald liked Kennedy... And was an unwilling participant in the plot, but never defected and never told the authorities about the plan. She says he was in Dealey Plaza as a shooter, but intentionally missed Kennedy, although other shooters killed the president. You could almost call him a patsy. (gasps) What? That's great. 
Um, so the Mexico's in, you talked about the Mexico City trip where he visited the Soviet embassy. Yeah, and, he spoke and they with were the like, no. And then he said he left them, in, or he, yeah, he, then he later said, if we, if they'd let me into the fucking embassy, then we mm-hmm. would have, yeah. have finished what we started. So there he spoke to a man named Valery Vladimirovich Kostikov, mm-hmm. who was not only the head of the consul, but also an identified KGB officer where he served in Department 13, which was a unit responsible for sabotage and assassination. Mm-hmm. Um, a man named Richard Schweiker, who was a senator and a member of the U.S. Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, remarked that, quote, everywhere you look with Oswald, there are fingerprints of intelligence. Um, and that if he had to do it over again, he would have investigated the Kennedy assassination by probing his ties to the CIA. Mm-hmm. So, Kennedy backed off Castro, took power away from the CIA, pissed off the FBI, the CIA, and the mafia, pissed off the Cuban exiles who came to the United States to escape Castro, who thought that Kennedy was going to do something about it. Um, a lot of those Cuban exiles were working with the CIA mm-hmm. in combination with the mafia to try to go kill fucking Castro. And then they, of course, blamed Kennedy when Bay of Pigs failed. So, I think the main question is, did the CIA and the mafia come together to have Kennedy assassinated and then engage in a massive cover-up? Right. Yeah, that's the question. Yes, is the answer. Okay. Just kidding. I don't fucking know. (laughs) Okay. So, now I'm going to walk you through the LBJ did it theory. Um, And this goes back to, like, the beginnings of his political career. When he ran for Senate in Texas, he won off of a rigged election. Election, sure. Um, He was very close friends with this man named Edward Clark, who basically ran Texas. Um, He was called the, quote, secret boss of Texas. Um, And he just kind of, he was, like, had his fingers and everything, and nobody really knew what he did, but, like, he controlled all of the government of Texas. Mm -hmm. He was, like, the um, Roger Stone of... He was the Roger Stone of Texas, exactly. There's a man named Barr McClellan who worked at the um, Edward Clark's law firm that he had. Um, he was hired in 1966, and one night he was hanging out with one of the partners, and they were, like, drinking and being white men in the 60s. And the guy was like, um, Clark arranged the assassination of Kennedy Kennedy because LBJ had to get rid of him. So. A lot of people getting <laughs> drunk and saying a lot, a lot of things. A lot of white men getting drunk. Uh, so by 1961, his, like, shade, his shady past was catching up to him. LBJ's. And there was a man named Henry Marshall who was, like, kind of investigating some shady funding going on for LBJ. And then LBJ just had him fucking killed. Mm-hmm. Like, he went yeah. to Edward Clark and he was like, this man's being a problem. And Edward Clark was like, don't fucking worry Classic about it. Classic Lyndon. Um, <laughs> Lyndon. Come on, Lyndon. Uh, local officials ruled it a suicide, 
even though he had been shot five times with a bolt-action rifle and had enough carbon monoxide, carbon monoxide in his lungs to knock him out. But fucking Edward Clark ran the police and all of the local government, so it didn't matter. Yeah. And then, late summer of 1963, the Senate opened an investigation into a man named Bobby Baker who was the secretary to the Senate majority and also LBJ's closest associate in Washington. He was also engaged in a ton of shady dealings. A lot of it had to do with oil magnates. So Robert Kennedy was after Bobby Baker because it would have revealed a lot of shady shit on LBJ's part because they were all in bed together with Edward Clark and doing shady dealings. And Robert Kennedy had it out for LBJ. Um, so it was just this, like, creepy group of, like, middle-aged white rich men in Texas who saw what JFK was doing and they were like, oh, absolutely not. He, he wanted to pull out of Vietnam, which was not fun for the military-industrial complex men. Mm -hmm. He was also going to cut the oil depletion allowance, which would have cost them billions of dollars. There was a man named Clint Murkison, which is the worst fucking name I've ever heard. Ew. <laughs> he was an oil magnate who, like, was all, uh, you know, fucking around with Edward Clark and Bobby Baker and all those people. And he... Clint. Clint Murkison. Those, that's so much... But I will say that they they call the, all the people in Texas who were interviewed for documentaries call it Murchison. It's like Natchitoches. It's like Natchitoches. It's awful. Um, he controlled LBJ, basically. Uh, and then there was a man named, <laughs> I wrote D-H space B-I-R. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it's a person. That's his name, D-H Burr. It's like D-B-Q. But B-I-R? That could be a name. Okay, well, D-H Burr, who or Burr? owned the book depository. Google it. D-H Burr. Yeah, and Texas School Book Depository. I also was listening to myself last episode, and I kept saying, Texas School Book Depository, instead of Texas School Book Depository. Like, I don't know <laughs> No, that's why. how I read it. I keep putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Oh, it's D.H. Bird. That's what I guessed. Yes. Okay, so D.H. Bird, who owned the School Book Depository, mm-hmm. he also founded this thing called the Civil Air Patrol. Which is like an, a young men's army thing that Lee Harvey Oswald was a part of. Oh. Yeah. So at what like, age? After he worked at the depository? Before. What? Mm-hmm. That's creepy and weird. Yeah, creepy and weird. Also, what does this group do if it's a civil air... <laughs> what, how civil do you... Civil air patrol. It's, how? I think it's like post-Boy Scouts pre-Army. Right, but what do you do if you can't fly planes? How do you patrol the air? You just shoot up. Oh, coffee. <laughs> that actually makes a lot of sense. I'm getting it now. Yeah. So they and Bobby Baker all stood to lose a lot of fucking money if JFK was allowed to go through with the insane things he wanted to do. Yeah. John Connolly was a longtime friend of LBJ, like childhood friends. He was also his campaign manager and rigged the election for him to get him his Senate seat. Huh. Connolly 
is the one who convinced JFK to come to Texas. No, now it's all <laughs> falling apart. All falling apart. The wheels are apart. coming off for me yep. now. Yep. That also explains why he was like, I mean, could have easily lied in his testimony about. Yeah, we can't trust the fucking word he said. God damn it. Yep. So now I'm going to introduce you to a woman named Madeline Brown, who was LBJ's mistress. She says that on the eve of the assassination, she went to a party at Clint Murchison's house. J. Edgar Hoover was there. Nixon was there. All of those fucking assholes that I just what told you about. a bummer party. Huge fucking bummer. <laughs> Everybody was Nixon there. Nixon and J. Edgar Hoover. It's just Nixon and Hoover. And like all the bigwigs from Texas, God, all the oil magnates, everybody was there. LBJ was like, I won't be there. And everyone was like, fine, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> Do you know? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> but like nobody thought he was coming. He then showed up with no warning, went into a room with all of the powerful men, and they like talked in a conference room. Like conspirators. And then he came out of the room and went to Madeline and said, this is her, she won't say the words, but her quote is, he said, quote, those blankety blank Kennedys will never embarrass me again. That's not a threat. That's a promise. I don't know what the blankety blanks are. I'm going to go with motherfucking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The next morning, the day of the assassination, he called her. And was like, those blankety-blank Kennedys will never embarrass me again. That's not a threat. That's a promise. And she was like, Lord. Yeah, because he's... So extra. LBJ is so extra. Um, Also, I hate that... Okay, so the calls were coming from inside the house this whole fucking time. whole fucking time. Mm. And then... So she was his mistress. She Like, she's still fucking in love with him. Like, Mm -hmm. she was so in love with him. Um, Why? Great question. Couldn't tell you. She was like running in all these like big wig circles in Texas and she kept hearing whispers about like who was involved. And eventually it took a few weeks, but she was like, hey, were you involved in the assassination? And she says he flew into a rage and like threw stuff and punched the wall like insecure men do. And then ultimately he said, I didn't make the plan. It was the fat cats of Texas and the intelligence agencies. This tracks. Yeah. After the assassination, the night of, LBJ's aide, Cliff Carter, made repeated calls from the White House to the DA in Dallas saying, don't look any further than Oswald. He's your man. There's no conspiracy. And then LBJ personally called the chief of homicide in Texas and said, you have your man. Once LBJ became president, the investigation into Bobby Baker stopped. And all of the shit that JFK was planning to do that was upsetting the mafia and the bigwigs of Texas and the CIA all stopped. Mm -hmm. So. Right. We don't know, but, you know, (laughs) it's not crazy. Yeah. Now I'm mad. Don't worry. I'm about to regale you with the more insane theories. Okay. I'm also just thinking because, um, didn't LBJ also 
help Robert Bobby Kennedy with his bullshit after JFK was assassinated? No. Um, I can't remember the exact statistic, but it was something like after LBJ became president, the, um, like the investigations or like the convictions of, um, organized crime people went down by like 80% or something like that. Like it literally solved everybody's problems. Right. Yeah. So... Now we're going to get into the conspiracy theories where I'm kind of like, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably. Uh, The first one is that the Soviet Union did it. And the theory is that Khrushchev was humiliated by having to back down during the Cuban Missile Crisis. And he decided to have Kennedy killed. Right. After what I talked about where he was, like, disgraced because he saved exactly. the world from nuclear war. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was this little drama that I found out about that I love, which is that there was a a man named Yuri Nosenko who came forward and he was like, I was in the KGB. I defected. I'm here to give you information. We looked at Oswald and then we were like, fuck that guy. We're not working with him. He's insane. The CIA's Soviet Union division was like, no, 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 no. He's not a defector. He's a plant. Mm. And that is because... (laughs) Okay. And then uh, that is because an earlier defector who was named Anatoly Golitsyn had predicted that the KGB would send someone after him to try to try to discredit him. And everyone in the CIA was like, oh, Nosenko is definitely the defector, the quote-unquote defector come to discredit our guy um, because our guy says that the KGB has a mole in the CIA and Nosenko was like, there's no mole. And then another alleged defector who was controlled by the FBI, whose code name was Fedora, no. was like, Nosenko is correct. Like, he, he, he has good, <laughs> good information he knows what he's talking about. Um, so Fedora was like, Nisenko is correct. He was a lieutenant colonel of the KGB. He fled to the USA. And then Nisenko, like, failed a bunch of polygraph tests and was like, just kidding. I'm not a lieutenant. I was a captain in the KGB. Sorry. And the FBI was like, oh, fuck, so if Fedora is saying he was a lieutenant and he just confessed that he's actually a captain, that means that, like, our guy, our Fedora guy, is not legit. (laughs) And it turns out both of them were fucking double agents acting against the United States. And then the CIA and the FBI were like, oops. (laughs) And then never did anything about it. Okay. So we don't, like, and they never investigated, so we don't know, like, if they got Oswald on their side and then they sent Nosenko to say that they didn't and then they sent Fedora to agree with Nosenko and then the other guy was like no they're wrong like nobody ever even looked into it so we don't fucking know if the Soviet Union did it we have no idea um the next one is the umbrella man theory Mm -mm. (laughs) 
Ouch. So the Umbrella Man is a name given to a figure who appears in the Zapruder film and other home movies near the freeway sign on Dealey Plaza. As the limousine approaches, the man opens up an umbrella high above his head, spins the umbrella clockwise, and then sat down on the sidewalk before walking toward the school book depository. Okay. Um, <laughs> so conspiracy theory. Well, I think that Q gave him an umbrella that <laughs> like spits bullets out. The... It's stupider. Oh no. There are the two main schools of thought are <laughs> that he was acting as a signaler and he was like okay. opening his umbrella to signal go ahead and then raising it to say like shoot again. Why do we need a man on the ground to signal anybody when they could clearly see from their vantage point whether or not you have identified the main problem? Here. <laughs> okay. The other theory is that the umbrella was used to fire a dart with a paralyzing agent at Kennedy to immobilize him to make him a sitting duck for an assassination. I quit. <laughs> you can't quit now. There's worse stuff coming. No. But then, in okay, so in 1978, a man named Louis Stephen Witt came forward and was like, oh, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, I, he said he still has the umbrella. He didn't know he had been the subject of controversy. He was like, I brought it to heckle him because of the family connection to Neville, Neville Chamberlain. That's hilarious. Because Chamberlain's trademark fashion accessory was a fucking umbrella. Right. And he was like, well, I brought it to And me. I discussed how <laughs> Joe was like best friends with Neville Chamberlain and then the British got all mad at him. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, hilarious. Yeah. And you and I are going to, that's, that's that is what's the gonna trajectory our life's going to take. He said, he testified before the House Select Committee of Assassinations, and he said, quote, I think if the Guinness Book of World Records had a category for people who were at the wrong place at the wrong time doing the wrong thing, <laughs> I would be number one in that position without even a close runner-up. <laughs> Which I fucking love. Yeah, And they examined the umbrella. There's no, like, dart holes in it. Although I do feel like Kennedy might have been a close runner-up on that one. <laughs> Anyone who's been assassinated, I yeah, think, could would be, be in the category. Yeah. <laughs> in that category. Okay, so now we're going to descend deep, deep into the depths of the internet. Where were we before? <laughs> that was mid shelf. Oh no, <laughs> this is top shelf conspiracy theory. Oh, I thought you went like oceanic shelf. No. So now we're talking about alcohol. Well, shelf. it's that, but it's both. Okay. So the next theory has to do with our favorite thing. Aliens. Quibona? Oh. Uh-oh. Oh, oh. <laughs> Ancient astronaut theorists suggest. So this comes back to... I already know. The fucking burned memo. Yeah. I knew it did. Which we did an episode on. Would you like to tell us a little bit about the burned memo? Yeah. I did a whole episode about it. Uh, essentially, it was a literally burned memo um that was like a top secret document that referred to john f kennedy by his code name and said that kennedy uh essentially like didn't want anyone to know about the ufos that was like the the 
that was the big quote from it was like Kennedy doesn't want us to or like per Kennedy we have to like not let anyone know about the aliens just like completely out of context mm-hmm. so when they found the burn memo they were like wait hold on what <laughs> like <laughs> you what do we like what do we even do with that information yeah so basically um a little the history is that he was JFK was starting to develop a program with the Soviet Union to like band together and work on, like, space exploration The space race, together. basically, yeah. Yeah. And he was concerned that all the UFO activity was going to be interpreted by the Soviets as, like, United States aircraft. And that it was going to be, like, aggression and against they were, exactly. the Soviets. Yes. So he was like, let's give me the information so that I can prove to them that this isn't real. Right. Like, that it's not us. Not that it's not real. That it's not us. Right. That all the aliens are not to be mistaken for U.S. aircraft. Exactly. Um, and then... But then the other theory behind that was that maybe it was like a false flag or, you know, that like Kennedy was trying to use UFOs to convince the Soviets that they weren't a threat when they actually were. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Because, you know, how he had all those planes and shit stationed over there. So, he, you know, one theory is like maybe it, there weren't aliens, but maybe he was like, send me all that UFO info so that I can prove to the Soviets that we're definitely not like putting planes within range of killing all of them. Um, also though, the problem with the burn memo is that there are a bunch of things about it that sort of discredit it. Like it's yeah. not dates and right. Yeah. And in theory it should be a copy, but it's clearly an original because it has typewriter imprints and yeah, the dates are out of order because they're done like Europeans or they're done like civilian style as opposed to military yeah. style, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, who knows? Um, but it, it shows that the director of the CIA was like, um, he can't know. Mm. Like, so, don't tell Kennedy. Don't tell Kennedy. Yeah. So, uh, this theory is that JFK was asking too many questions and the CIA just had him killed because they didn't want to deal with the alien questioning. Which is literally the only reason I would ever run for president, so. Yeah. I guess just I should know. This takes us <laughs> to what I am calling the truth. Oh, no. This is our last conspiracy theory. It is Wow, you fucking bang those out real quick. Bitch, right through them. I know. It's all to get to this. Mm-hmm. This is the point of this episode. This is the point of my research. I think this is, might be why I was born. Okay, great. Glad we figured that out on a Tuesday. Thank God. Well, I figured it out when I found it, so don't <laughs> even worry about it. JFK was killed... Already no. I know already. No, absolutely not. By the Freemasons. Damn it, I fucking called that. Although I said Illuminati. Okay, I didn't call it. It's all a little bit... National treasure? It's all the same. It's the Illuminati slash the shadow government slash the New World Order slash the Freemasons all working together. But using Masonic sorcery. Well, thanks for tuning in. <laughs> no, um, no, 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 no. <laughs> I am going to tell you the truth. Thanks, and bye. you are going to listen to me. <laughs> Buckle the buck up because I'm going no. to tell you the truth. Now, full disclaimer. This website that I got the truth from. <laughs> has Did you a- have to pay <laughs> to subscribe to it? No. It is yellow background, red font. <laughs> so it's communist. It's com. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> my mind. <laughs> so 
they describe how the shadow government and the New World Order used Masonic sorcery to kill JFK to complete a ritual. No reptilians involved in this. No. You ready? Mm-hmm. You ready to have the truth fucking shoved down your throat? Mm-hmm. Okay, so. The Masonic betrayal of the common man. <laughs> <laughs> I've been here for two hours. <laughs> involves archetypes of fertility and death symbolism seemingly motivated to bring out syncretism in opposing principles in order to green Israel rebuild the Temple of Solomon, and establish a one-world government. Do you know what syncretism is? No, but of all the words (laughs) you just said, I'm really surprised that that's the one. That's the one I didn't know. Syncretism is the amalgamation or attempted amalgamation of different religions, cultures, or schools of thought. So basically they're like, one world, one religion. We're going to green Israel, build the Temple of Solomon, and establish a one-world government. Copy. All of what I'm about to say to you is a direct quote from the website. There was no way I Kennedy, could... Kennedy, <laughs> Kennedy, 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 Maybe for we'll me. put that underneath. <laughs> this whole thing. Okay. It is by way of Masonic sorcery that the union of opposing principles is supposed to be brought about. The criminals who stage managed Dallas, who we've already talked about, in the killing of Kennedy, have controlled the American people's will in exchange for a sleep without nightmares. These are their stories. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dun. <laughs> okay. Also, if you play the Kennedy, Kennedy, Kennedy song backwards, it says that sentence. No. Have you ever tried? No, because I don't want to get caught up in shit that I'm not ready for yet. <laughs> so... The, quote, science of names word wizardry forms only one segment of the science of symbolism used by the Masons. The JFK assassination encounters this science in a decisive way and contains a veritable nightmare of symbol complexes having to do with violence, perversion, conspiracy, death, and degradation. These elements are important not only as cause and effect in the murder of a president, but in the ensuing reaction of the people of America and the world. Ready? Yeah. <laughs> the fertility and death symbolism in the killing of the king right, which is part of the greeting ritualism that has to do with JFK, has been suppressed because examination of it must necessarily link it to Freemasonry and its mysticism, as well as to the political influence it exerts. I think LBJ did it. <laughs> Just fucking wait. The ultimate purpose of the assassination was not political or economic, but sorcerous. For the control of the dreaming mind and the marshalling of its forces is the omnipotent force in this entire scenario of lies, cruelty, and degradation. Something died in the American people on November 22, 1963. Call it idealism, innocence, or the quest for moral excellence. It is the transformation of human beings, which is the authentic reason and motive for the Kennedy murder. And until so-called conspiracy theorists can accept the very real element, they will be reduced to so many eccentrics, amusing a tiny remnant of dilettantes and hobbyists. (laughs) 
the systematic arrangement and pattern of symbolic things having to do with the killing of Kennedy indicates that he was a scapegoat in a sacrifice. The purpose of such macabre ritualism is further recognizable in patterns of symbolism culminating in the final, quote, making manifest all that is hidden. So, in a literal alchemical sense, the making manifest of all that is hidden, which is the eventual goal, is the accomplishment of the third law of the alchemists and is as yet unfulfilled, or at least not completed. There are three steps. Killing of the king was the second one. The creation and destruction of primordial matter, which was the detonation of the first atomic bomb at the Trinity site at fucking White Sands, New Mexico, on the 33rd degree. We went there. Yeah. We're part of it. Uh-oh. And then the killing of the king at the Trinity site at Dealey Plaza near the 33rd degree of latitude. And then the last thing is incomplete. Do we know what it is? It's the making manifest of all that is hidden. What does that mean? I don't fucking know. <laughs> but it's true. So it's so it's <laughs> it's the creation and destruction of primordial matter. That's number one. Right. The killing of the king is number two. And making manifest of all that is hidden is number three. That's uh, JFK telling everyone about the UFOs. No, it hasn't been done yet. Yeah, because they killed him. It's No, it's going to be something else. Uh. I will close with this. Only the repetition of information presented in conjunction with knowledge of this mechanism of making manifest all that is hidden provides the sort of boldness and will which can demonstrate that we are aware of all the enemies, all the opponents, all the tricks and gadgetry, and yet we are still not dissuaded that we work for the truth, for the sake of the truth. Let the rest take upon themselves and their children the consequences of their actions. Thank you. And that's the truth. Took two hours, but now you know the truth. Wow. The Kennedy assassination was the killing of the king. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so realistically, it was probably LBJ. (laughs) Did anyone do any, like, cross-referencing on that with, like, the second season of True Detective or... On this Masonic nonsense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, probably not. I feel like we should look into that. It might be two very different categories of person who watch True Detective and write things on the internet. No, dude, I'm telling you, it's all connected. (laughs) Everything's fucking connected. 33rd degree. That's true. When we turn 33, maybe we will make manifest all that's hidden. But 33 is the best. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, thanks for um, listening to the truth. Yeah. And all the rest of it. Right. Thanks for editing this episode. (laughs) You're already welcome. Listen, can I tell you that I have four pages 
on the Freemason symbolism. I gave you about two. Yeah. I edited it in real time. Yeah. You're welcome. I appreciate that. I'll send it to you, though, so you can learn the real, the full truth, <laughs> but, like... <coughs> okay, sounds good. <laughs> um, thank you for listening. Yeah, I'm not even sorry. <laughs> I hope that was informative for you. Yeah. Um... <sighs> Follow us on all the things. My brain is so dead. (laughs) My brain melted. My brain melted. Follow us on all the things. Follow us. Email us. Leave us a review. Get a shirt. Mm -hmm. Don't tell people that you know the truth because it could become dangerous for you. (laughs) Yeah. If the NSA is listening, don't shut us down just because we expose the truth. You know, like, I'm not sorry, but I'm a little scared. This is only the 24th episode, which is important because the 24th important. degree. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Listen, remind me on the 33rd episode to tell you that I'm a Freemason. Okay, will do. All right, well, then we'll just leave off on that note. Yeah, I mean, thanks for fuckling the buck up. Yeah. Stay in your lane. And this time, I think I can probably say, we do know. <laughs> Smooches. Smooches. <laughs> okay, good night. Good night. What is